Let's fuck this chicken. <laughs> Welcome to the second episode of the new year. Uh, Creative Ass Podcast, episode nine. was crack a <laughs> Getting into the pot a little later than usual. And I've been drinking. <laughs> so uh, let's see how this goes. It's going to be a, a fun ride. I hope everybody's new year is going well. Mine has been productive so far, to say the least. Um, but yeah, let's get right into it. So, uh, last thing I listened to, last thing I watched, and last thing I read. Uh, so last thing I listened to, um, was something old, not something new, but just revisited something and just, like, there's certain projects, you know, you, you go to because it's what you need. Like, you know, I need to hear this project. I need, it puts me in a certain mood. It, it lights a fire under me. It, it, it's nostalgic, you know, for whatever reason, you know, listening to that album can put you in a certain place and I needed to be in a inspired and creative and reminiscent place because it's kind of a little bit of a funk past couple of days and uh, my, my, my guy Nipsey always pulls me out of that so uh, last thing I listened to was the Marathon uh, album by Nipsey Hussle so uh, probably my favorite Nipsey project uh, was banging that I mean it's got so 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 many uh, good songs on there I think it's kind of one of uh, even though I think it's probably the first project that really made him like a little more popular in the mainstream just because of a lot of the beats that he used and he was already so many you know mixtapes and albums in by this time but I mean I think some of my favorite Nipsey songs are on here Blue Laces Mr. Untouchable A Million which was like the flip of the, the Leah joint top down used to be my ringtone if, if that tells you something uh, You Don't Got a Clue Always Gets Me Super Hype Seven Days a Week uh, grind mode. Oh my goodness. Like, yeah, this is, oh my goodness. This is probably one of my favorite, uh, Nipsey projects, if not my favorite. And, um, oh, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. There's so many, so many bangers on here. So definitely revisited that album. It's also one of my favorite, uh, Nipsey Hussle covers. Um, so revisited that recently and, uh, just kind of needed that inspiration, needed that talk from Nipsey kind of to, to, to put some oomph back in me. Cause I was, like I said, feeling a little, Feeling a little blue, but uh, Nip pulled me out of it. <laughs> pun intended. <laughs> um, but yeah, pun not intended, but intended. Yeah, double entendre. Don't even ask me how. <laughs> but yeah, um, definitely been banging the marathon lately. And um, yeah, it's always dope to know that you can go to a specific album or know that an artist delivered you a body of work that is so concise and so well put together and something you enjoyed so much that if you need a certain energy it can give it to you like that's in its essence to me what music is all about it's about putting you in a certain mood um and then you know leaving a lasting impression if it's that good of music leaving a lasting impression to where um you know later on you can draw on it for inspiration you can draw on it for solace you can draw on it for creativity you can draw on it for joy um so yeah shout out to Nipsey Hussle R.I.P. to the God I mean yeah something delivered something to me and for me that I can go back to over and over again, time and time again, and it uh, truly inspires me and, and definitely helped pull me out of a funk. So, R.I.P. Nip. Uh, last thing I watched was The Joker. It's uh, getting all this Oscar buzz, Oscar nods, and I waited till now to watch it. Um, really just didn't get around to watching it, and then by the time I move on to the next movie, it's like, I'll just wait for it to come on, because when I see a movie, it's, it's less about the hype and just me wanting to see it. Uh, and so I uh, really, really, you know, Got excited when I, I saw it was available to rent. So I rented it. I watched it twice. Loved it. 
I mean, I have nothing negative to say about the movie at all. Um, you know, if you remember back to when uh, Heem was on episode one of the podcast, uh, joined by Raheem, the uh, the designer, my homie, cousin, family, um, we kind of talked about, he had just seen it, and we kind of talked about my um, uh, attachment to Heath's performance in the Dark Knight version and um, how, you know, just me being me, I was going to, you know, two people play the exact same role. My brain is not going to be able to avoid comparing them. Um, not in a negative way. I just, I still stand in that I prefer Heath. It's it's stuff that, you know, Joaquin couldn't control. I enjoyed his character. I enjoyed getting to see uh, a lot of the behind the scenes. I still think a lot of the behind the scenes we got to see was a little face value. Um, you got to see what his mom did to him. And that was the most important relationship and how that, you know, really was the turning point in uh, in his break. But um, a lot of the other stuff around it was was not what I was looking for to be so wholly moved by the fact that I got all, I got two hours of this Joker, whereas I got a two hour movie and maybe 30% of it was Joker in the previous one because it was a Batman movie. And he still, he just stole the show with the way he brought the character to life. I think they were very similar in certain aspects, especially towards the end. Um, but there's just, I mean, there were just things you can't control. I like Heath's voice better. Just the way he talks. I like the way he did the Joker voice a little bit better than the way Joaquin kind of did the Joker voice, which is still very wispy, but I just, I just preferred certain very subtle things. And I, it could have been, you know, uh, you know, just how I went into the movie, but I didn't go into the movie thinking I was going to dislike it. Cause I like, I like a lot of other Joaquin Phoenix movies. I like Walk the Line. Um, I believe he was in No Country for Old Men. I could be tripping. Um, I like Her. Her is a phenomenal movie. I, I love that movie. Um, interestingly enough, him and Scarlett cleaned up at this, uh, this these Oscar nominations, which we'll talk about. We'll get to later. But um, yeah, this, I love that movie by them. So I, I enjoy Joaquin. I didn't expect him not to do a good job. Um, but I did know going into it that, you know, just, just he left a lasting impression. And, you know, of course, it's going to factor in the fact that he's no longer with us and but man, wait a bang, man. Like there's no way around the fact that that one, that movie is just a phenomenal movie. That's one of my favorite comic book movies, period. Out of any Avengers movie, any Batman movie, anything. The Dark Knight is a good movie. Like, and Heath is an amazing bad guy in it and steals the show. I love the stories he tells. I love his mannerisms, every twitch. It's just, I enjoyed Joaquin's character. I enjoyed his, you know, the way he, he, um, got to really show us why the Joker has that random laugh. Like there's so many aspects to it. I mean, I was a Joker for Halloween, you know, I'm inspired by my love for Batman movies. It's the one DC character I've ever kept up with in my entire life from watching the cartoon when I was a kid. And then, you know, getting more into the comics as I got older and then really the movies as I got older, but the cartoon is what got me into it when I was younger. Like I used to be mad if my mom picked me up late and made me miss Batman, like tight, tight, made me miss Batman. Um, uh, I think it came on like Thursdays or if she made me miss TGI Fridays, which was like family matters, uh, step by step, all that shit. So like, I, I really was invested in Batman. Like one of my cartoons, I watched Batman, Spider-Man, Static Shock. Like I fucked with the cartoon from being a kid. So I love Batman. <clears throat> so uh, to see the back drop in the backstory and it was really well done. Shout out to Todd Phillips. Amazingly shot. I really enjoyed the movie. I still prefer Heath more, but it's not a knock to this movie to say I did not 
really enjoy this movie. I really did. He bodied this role. He deserves all the attention he's getting. He obviously wholly committed. It's another one of, you know, obviously a top tier comic book movie. It's to me the best DC movie for sure as far as the comic the movies they've been putting out lately. And Aquaman was good. Wonder Woman was good. Um, uh, what else was good? Uh, Suicide Squad was good. I'm interested to see how this Birds of Prey slash Harley Quinn movie is going to be. So they've been getting better and better. Um, I even think Batman versus Superman was pretty good just because I like seeing a darker Batman. But I think it was great. I think Todd Phillips bodied this, the way it was shot. I love the way it was shot with all the, you know, the kind of more modern looking shots with uh, the looking glass effect of like the camera when he was on the TV show or the TV when he's watching the TV and how it'll kind of be still modern and then in the middle will be this one shot that's grainy and is giving you like the, you know, this is supposed to be taking place in the 80s kind of feel. I uh, like different scenes that flickered, that closing scene with the long hallway and the light. It was really well shot, killed the acting. You know, I, not even just him, a lot of the other characters were great as well, but yeah, I enjoyed the movie wholeheartedly. I really, really thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I think it's funny that he claimed he had to take, da- not claimed, but probably did, <laughs> that he had to take dancing lessons for like, I don't know, I'm a nigga. So I should be like, oh, the little step, somebody could have showed me them and I would have got it. Like, this was a little like six part routine, unless it was like a really long <laughs> routine at one point and they just cut it down to something smaller. I'm like, come on, man. That was crazy. Like people, you literally have to teach white people rhythm. Like it was really just like him dancing up and down these stairs. Or the part at the end is the one part I was like that's low key choreography. But other than that, I was like, just show him a couple moves and just kind of feel it. Like I I don't know. <laughs> he made it, he made the dancing seem like something he had to like really sink his teeth into. Um, but what was interesting is I read an article where Joaquin was talking about um, how much weight he had to lose for the movie. That was more interesting than anything. The fact that he said he, you know, pretty much had to live like a hermit for like a month or two to lose all the weight because he's like, you really can't be with people <clears throat> when you're not eating or drinking, like at all, because you're trying to lose weight in a very drastic way, like a lot of weight and fast. So, um, yeah, that was really interesting to read that, talking about how, like, he kind of, you know, got into the character and he seems like a very chill dude. Uh, you know, in the article I'm reading, I'm looking at the photography and it's describing everything he has on as if you read, you know, most big editorials, uh, that have, you know, stylists and things like that, especially in magazines. I think it was in, I want to say W magazine. So in bigger magazines like that, lar- larger publications, you know, it's got a stylist and a photographer. And so everybody who contributed to the article is credited. Um, and so in this article it was talking about multiple performances, from multiple different people and when they get to his and they're talking about his styling it just says uh, all clothes actors own like he's just there like some jeans and some chucks and a black t-shirt and uh back to his like normal size and uh, I was like he seems like a chill dude he he's like I said not the first thing I've enjoyed him in I really enjoyed this movie still like Heath as not just my favorite Joker but one of my favorite villains in a, in a comic book movie ever like I prefer Heath to Thanos that's how much that character's performance in that movie in general and what he meant to that movie moved me. So maybe it's just me. Like, maybe I just love that movie that much. I love the Batman Dark Knight series anyway. <clears throat> Not a huge Kristen Bale fan, but I feel like every single bad guy was knocked out of the park. So I enjoy that series just period anyway. That's just me. 
Like I liked Bane. Um, I liked the uh, the the fucking was it, scarecrow type dude from the first one. Like I just liked what they chose for the bad guys to stand for in each of the movies, even more so than the actual bad guys themselves. And then especially with the last two, with with Bane, um, uh, with Tom Hardy, and with uh, uh you know with uh, Heath, and I just really loved the way they committed to how the character was supposed to be like a symbol. <coughs> For a specific thing, so that shit was crazy. Niggas out here tripping, <clears throat> always making fucking noise. Niggas trying to sleep, <laughs> living in the hood. But yeah, definitely crazy. Um, thinking about the fact that <laughs> that each character really just they were a symbol, and the way Heath really, really embodied this symbol, I think, is what stuck with me more than anything. So. Not a knock to the new Joker. Really love it. Think it deserves every single nomination and 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 attention it's getting. And I'm pretty sure Joaquin's probably gonna win everything he's nominated for in this role because he really did an amazing job. Like he really did kill it. And I think, like I said, Todd Phillips, the director, should probably walk away with, um, if not a lot of nominations, probably some hardware as well because he bodied that. I really enjoyed the way it was shot. So that was the last thing I watched. Uh, the Joker. If you haven't seen it, that sh- that thing in red box. Do yourself a favor. Enjoy. Um, and the last thing I read, um, uh, which will kind of be a topic as well, is uh, Paper Magazine's article talking about Spike Lee now being uh, or going to serve as the, the president of the jury at this year's up-and-coming Cannes Film Festival in France. Um, and what was interesting in the article I read, they were talking about how um, he has a pretty interesting relationship with um, the... Uh, like the cans board uh, coming from all the way from when he uh, himself was submitting uh, like she's got to have it and do the right thing which uh, there was like some controversy over because he felt it should have essentially won the whole fucking thing which is you know obviously very spike like but uh, he thought it was supposed to win he thought he should have won the whole thing and you know had kind of a lot to say about the fact that he thought he should have won the whole thing and you know spike is very colorful and uh, we'll say not quiet (laughs) if you've uh followed his career at all he's uh very very outspoken and colorful and um does not hide his feelings or emotions whether it's on the sidelines of a basketball game or at uh, an award show where he thought he should have won so it's pretty interesting but um yeah so they tweeted um the Cannes Film Festival welcome to welcome to Spike Lee as president of the jury of the 73rd uh, Festival de Cannes. Cannes is a natural homeland for those who reawaken minds. Lee's flamboyant personality is sure to shake things up. What kind of president will he be? Find out at this year's Cannes Film Festival. Um, so the, the article kind of talks about, this is in Paper Magazine, um, kind of talks about how uh, he, well one, he's the first black filmmaker to head up the Festival Selection Committee. So that's pretty dope. Um, so hopefully, um, you know, might see a whole lot of young talent uh, get some uh, get some notice. Uh, in this year's uh, cons because of him being the uh, the president. Um, but yeah, from his first appearance in the film festival with the uh, film She's Gotta Have It in 1986, which took home the, uh, I'm saying Prix de la Genesse, probably butchering that, but uh, um, all the way to his Grand Prix win for Black Klansman in 2018, Spike Lee and Kansas have shared a long and occasionally tumultuous relationship. Um, just talking about, like I said, kind of him, uh, being really upset when do the right thing, didn't win. And on other occasions, he's used it as a platform to call out Charles Heston for his support of the NRA, um, call out Clint Eastwood for the lack of black soldiers depicted in letters from Iwo Jima. 
and also to call out Donald Trump for allowing uh, for failing to disavow the white supremacist in the wake of the Charlottesville, Virginia protest. So uh, he's got a pretty interesting relationship with Cons, and now he's going to be serving as the uh, president of the jury. Hopefully it sounds like somebody who's going to be picking the movies and the films and the shorts that get allowed into Cons. So I read that and I thought that was pretty cool. I know a lot of filmmakers, uh, you know, uh, that, you know, if you're hearing this, I urge you to submit to Cons. It's going to be a black dude leading up things. It's going to be Spike. So, you know, he's going to be looking for the uh, the interesting and different and uh and uh, poignant and progressive so um yeah shout out to that and uh moving on saying in the same film saying in the same film vein um in this season in this uh episode i'm just excited to say in this episode's um uh, nigga we made it segment uh shout out to brie breezy uh we had her on the show a couple episodes back and she has been selected <clears throat> for lena waste hillman grad writing program so i'm super proud of the homie was talking about a homie who I was proud of when she got here. It's really inspiring. It's, it's you know, um, seeing all this dope stuff happen, all these people around me is giving me a new focus. Um, you know, I always love that I can look to my, my peers and the people around me who I know are putting in the work to find that inspiration. And uh, shout out to Breezy, man. I'm really, really happy for her. Um, if you don't already follow her, get familiar with her work. Check out the episode she was on a few episodes back. I believe it was the uh, Is This Gaslighting episode. Um, good episode, good conversation. Uh, check out her socials. Congratulate her and uh, shout out to Breezy, man. Nigga, we made it. <laughs> All right, so moving on into hot topics. Um, gonna get right on into some more film. Um, so uh, last episode we talked about uh, Kevin Hart's a new uh, documentary on Netflix, which I really enjoyed. It's not too long. The episodes aren't too long, and the content is uh, it's it's worth the watch. Um, when I actually initially went to watch it, I think I said I thought it was gonna be like more comedy type stuff, but it really is just like a documentary of him addressing pretty much everything that's happened recently, including uh, the situation with the Oscars and losing out on the hosting or stepping down from the hosting, however you want to look at it. Um, but he is set to host the Oscars this year, which is really interesting because the Oscars is hella white this year. Oh my God, they're so white. Uh, looking at Paper Magazine's article as well, and just because just I'm on Paper Magazine right now, uh, looking at their articles right now, they did have one in here also talking about just how white the Oscars are this year. I mean, it's 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 pretty crazy. I mean, after the Golden Globes kind of got reamed for how white they were, we talked about that, you know, this year 68% male and 84% white in the nominations. I mean, Joker set a record for comic book movies or just in general, I think with like 11 nominations. Um, yeah. And then, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood and the Irishman both got uh, 10 nominations and it's just like, they do not give a shit about anything that we've said or done as far as (laughs) complaining about, you know, the lack of representation because they went full fledged in with the nominations. I mean, it is, super super white here let me pull up those nominations i'm just kind of scrolling that article i thought i was gonna have a bit more but the the oscar nominations are it's 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 super white i think the only people who are nominated for something black is the chick who played in harriet so a black chick playing a slave and uh, i think the next person who i think antonio banderas is nominated for something so there's a couple people but i mean it's 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 pretty crazy. So let's see. Uh, best actor, uh, Jonathan Price for Two Popes. Adam Driver for Marriage Story, which I loved. I mean, fantastic. Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, which I haven't seen yet. 
Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, and Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, Best Picture, 1917, Ford vs. Ferrari, which I still haven't seen and want to. Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Parasite, which I haven't seen yet and want to. The Irishman, Little Women, which I haven't seen yet and want to. Jojo Rabbit, which I haven't seen yet and want to. And Marriage Story, which, again, I love. But all very, very, very white. Um, Best Actress, uh, Best Actress, Charlize Theron, uh, Renee Zellweger, Cynthia Erivo, which is the chick from uh, Harriet, Scarlett Johansson, and Soiree Ronan, I think I'm saying her last name, or saying her first name wrong, but she's in Little Women. Which, again, I want to see really badly because I enjoyed the book so much when I was younger, but all white with the exception of Harriet, and Harriet is a slave movie. We know how the Oscars love those. Uh, Best Supporting Actor, Anthony Hopkins, white. Brad Pitt, white, Joe Pesci, white, Al Pacino, not white, but European, (laughs) Tom Hanks, white, love him, but all very white, best supporting actress, Kathy Bates, Margot Robbie, Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh, and Laura Dern, all white yet again, and coming up, best animated feature, now this is where they got some color in there, I believe, um... I think it's Best Animated Short. No, yeah, Best Animated Short. Toy Story, yeah, these are all also actually kind of white. Um, but I do know that um, Best Director, all white, Todd Phillips, Quentin Tarantino. Okay, I don't think Bong Joon-ho is white. <laughs> but, again, so now we're up to, what, three nominations for People of Color? We got uh, what appears or sounds to be an Asian man. Um, we have a... Uh, black lady and we have a Latino man so that's three out of all the categories we've read so far and I do know that for best short um, for best short interesting for cinematography for Irishman hmm. but I do know for best short uh, animated short uh, a black man is nominated and, and um, that is for hair love by Matthew Cherry, uh, shout out to him. He's also uh, been showing a lot of love to a um, friend of the show, uh, Miss Tia Williams, uh, for her Gentrified series. If you haven't checked it out, I'm telling you, I've already seen a couple episodes and I've been waiting for it for a long time. I can't wait to see when the uh, the full season and the full series is released. Um, but really, really proud of her. And uh, it's been garnering some interest from somebody who's nominated for an Oscar. So shout out to her. But I do know he is nominated for an Oscar for Best Animated Short. So now we're up to four people who are nominated. And it's it's getting thinner every time I, I tab over. So it's just really interesting in the 92nd Academy Awards with, you know, everything that everybody's experienced backlash-wise as far as uh, people who have, uh, you know, have these type of award shows and haven't had a lot of representation. You know, the Emmys, the Emmys was amazing because the Emmys, the Emmys seems to kind of swing for the fences. Ever since Lena won one, they've noticed that they, they I bet you they have probably the best ratings out of all of the award shows. You know, them and the Grammys is because the Grammys is music, so you're going to get niggas performing. But between the Grammys because of music and between the Emmys because of the fact that they're actually looking to uh, to show representation, I bet you they have the highest ratings of any of the, like, bigger award shows right now, like the Golden Globes and things of that nature. Because, I mean, the Golden Globes is white as fuck, and the, the Oscars seems to be following suit. So it's pretty interesting to see what uh, is going to happen with Kevin Hart being the host with such a white... <laughs> white ass fucking award show um 
and with with you know the the controversy of him not being there um, and stepping down from hosting last time so I am very very curious to see if he takes this opportunity to um to really get, come with it and give us some funny good content that's touching on why he wasn't here last year and touching on the fact that hey I'm one of the only people of color in this fucking room right now and last year y'all didn't even want me here like I better get some quality funny jokes with that type of punchline um, otherwise it's like, nigga, why are you even here? So we shall see. We shall see all this hubbub about you wanting to host it. It was a big, big thing before. And now the Oscars has given you ample fucking, uh, ammo and opportunity. Are you, will you Ricky Gervais it and be the most entertaining part of the show? The way he, it, Ricky was of the golden globes with his monologue and his jokes and his just lack of giving a fuck about <laughs> the white people in the room, which was awesome. Or will you play it safe, which is what Kevin Hart kind of usually does to me. This documentary was new. Let's see if it's uh, if it's an indicator of something new. So very, very curious to see what uh, what Kevin Hart does with this opportunity of hosting the Oscars. So moving uh, on into some more uh, interesting uh, black cinema or film uh, uh, scenarios. So Tyler Perry posted not too long ago uh, on Instagram right before the new year started that he was working on what looked to be like maybe honestly like six or seven scripts. Like I saw a couple scripts and stacks for the off. I mean, not the office, the oval, which is like his new uh, show. I believe it's going to be about the, like the presidency. Um, I saw sisters, which is like, sounds like it's going to be like insecure slash girlfriends slash black woman friend show. Those are always dope. Um, and then I saw something called Bruh. I saw another season of, I want to say Meet the Pains or Tyler Perry House or something like that. I saw at least like six scripts. Um, and what's interesting is he's got all these scripts and he's using this picture, which, you know, undoubtedly is you know, motivation. He's using it as like preaching work ethic. But at the same time, what I've heard and he's got a lot of complaint about what he's catching a lot of fire for is the fact that you're writing all this stuff, man. And one of them is uh, you're, you're bragging about the fact that you're the only person writing this, that you have no writer's room and you're writing things that involve people that you can't necessarily write for like black women, which is something you've been under fire for, for like your whole career. It's constantly trying to write for black women without consulting black women. Like I can never knock Tyler Perry for the fact that he puts so many black people on and he hires so much good black talent, but Come on, man. I mean, if, if you were to reach out to more people and then put a hand out to some of this, I mean, I know some people you could hit up straight up. You know, if you were to reach out some of this young up and coming talent, not even young, but just up and coming talent, some new voices, some fresh blood, uh, you know, from all different perspectives and ages, because we need that, especially when you're trying to tell stories, there would probably be some more authenticity in your work. I mean, Tyler Perry always does a lot of things that I can applaud, but the work is always missing something. And it could be the fact that, you know, you're not reaching out to other people to one, share the wealth, share the opportunity and share the possibility to get different eyes and different perspectives on something. So you can give it a different flavor. I mean, you know, a Tyler Perry movie, when you see one, you know, you probably going to guess the plot. You're going to go support it because you know, he supports us and we want to support our, our people. And that's why we do it. But at the end of the day, at the same time, some of them shits just ain't good. And some of them shits just ain't good because you didn't get any outside help. I mean, eventually you, you got to reach out to other people to try to get new ideas, new you know, innovative thinking, new 
perspectives. Like you got to constantly be pushing the envelope and you can't do that. If you're the only person that's ever contributing to your work, then it's only ever going to sound like you. And you know, no matter how great you are, even to a certain point that gets repetitive. And if you are trying to be great, I would think you would constantly be trying to challenge yourself. So while I understand the motivational tool and the tactic he was trying to display with posting the fact that, you know, the years just started and we're going to get all this stuff, you know, going and I've been putting, you know, all this work into place since last year and you two can do it. I feel that. But at the same time, it's like, bruh, I'm a black woman. I would love to help you write something called sisters because you ain't no sister and, and, and your perspective on it can only go so far, my guy. So it's an interesting use of motivation, but at the same time, hire a writer's room, okay? Hire hire some new talent, hire some new people, hire some old people, but just hire some people. You can't be the only one, my guy. You can't be the only one. Not with all them scripts. Ain't no way you just understand each and every character you wrote to the T. Nah, man. Hell no. Nah. We kill white people for doing that shit. It ain't no different for you. You can't be writing for every woman. You can't be writing for every dude because you ain't every guy and you ain't every girl. Like, that's just not how reality works and that's not how realistic art gets made. So, yeah, get what you were trying to do with that, bro. But at the same time, any fire you get, you kind of put yourself in that fire. So I, I would try and see if somebody dropped a link in some of them fucking ads. I know you getting and see if you find any talent that might be able to uh, assist you in uh, giving you some new ideas and some fresh um, takes for, for those 20 scripts you were trying to use to motivate us with. Um, so moving into some more sillier goofier scenarios and some some silly shit uh, uh apparently young jack is out here driving uber or, or or is trolling us like he's driving uber i don't fucking i ain't heard and, and seen a, nothing there from fucking young jack since he gave himself that damn conk and had that crazy ass permed ass haircut and and you know even then it seemed like he was trolling so i guess now with him driving uber hopefully he's doing the same thing i hope I hope he's still somewhere where he can perform young uh, is going down and, and some of the, you know, the two thousands classics of, of my high school youth and, and, you know, catch a little 3000, $5,000 bag uh, performing somewhere, a thousand dollar bag performing at a club. I mean, he's still on a TV show now. My God, if, if Omarion and them is still booking gigs, young Jack got to be able to jump on somebody's millennium tour or something. Can't he, it can't have come to this. It can't have come all the way down to him driving Uber. I mean, hey, do what you got to do to pay your bills, my guy. But I, I, I would sure hope that all of the, the time and energy he spent giving us at least a few hits, that's enough to get your foot in the door to at least a couple club gigs or something. Something. I, oh, my goodness. I hope he's not driving Uber. That'd be crazy. Imagine getting If I got in my Uber and young Jack was driving, I swear to God, I'd start hitting the motorcycle. For those of y'all too young, the motorcycle is the dance that used to go with young Jack's song. It's going down. And so if you ever see like older folks hit, hit a certain dance when that song come on, meet me in a trap, it's going down, meet me in a that's that dance is called the motorcycle. You can't have a you can't have a whole ass song with a dance and still not be able to book at least a couple of club shows. So I hope it ain't come to Uber. Say it ain't so. Say it ain't so, young Jack. Um uh staying in music related shit that ain't got nothing to do with music. Uh, Roddy Rich. Um, apparently has a number one song in the box, which is a bop. I was listening to that shit in the car on the way home in traffic. Uh, that shit is a bop for sure. Um, and it, it definitely makes your shoulders move. But it was funny to see his and Justin Bieber's exchange. Apparently they kind of uh, had some words for each other where I think Justin was being a bit shady. I think Sis had some uh, 
uh, uh, so yeah, he was being a little, little feisty. <laughs> He's being a little feisty in his comments. Cause you know, he gave niggas a whole, um, search and find <laughs> and, and scratch and sniff set of instructions on how to get this nigga song to go number one. And it's, it's getting corny with everybody who's doing that shit, trying to request people to telling them exactly how to download it and play it on low. And my God, the Joe button podcast was killing this nigga for that shit. But he, he really posted that shit. Like he posted, like he posted that shit the way like Stan accounts post that shit. When you post to send it to them, like, like when you see people just going hard, like if you go to an explore page, like when I was searching for a lot of like behind the scenes information on euphoria, like all these Stan accounts in, on euphoria, like started popping up on my uh, explore page on Instagram. So like, I just started seeing an inane amount of like different ways to find different information about the show. That's who should be posting that. Not Justin Bieber. Like you should, or the label or ads on fucking Spotify or ads on fucking YouTube or whatever. They should be telling me how to make your song go number one. There's no way you should be posting. That shit is so fucking corny. I would think that shit was corny if somebody I know was posting that shit. And we regular ass people trying to get to where you at. You are a very, very rich, very, very well-known musician and celebrity. And you posted instructions on how to get your song to go number one. Like your ass is a fucking SoundCloud rapper. That shit looks goofy and corny. And just one more reason for me not to support Justin Bieber anymore. Besides the fact that my guy was harmonizing nigga with his mom taping it. Like, that shit is nuts. That shit is hilarious and just, wow. So shout out to motherfucking Yumi, uh, uh, Roddy Rich for finding a way to uh, dismantle the system and despite not using any type of trickery, uh, getting a number one and then uh, uh, clapping back at Justin Bieber on Twitter when he had some, you know, slightly spicy shit to say as far as like, oh, congratulations on getting your first number one. Like, oh, welcome to the club. I've got many like, if you get the fuck out of here, you begged motherfuckers to listen to your shit, and this nigga still beat your ass. Like, get out of here. He's so fucking corny, dog. Oh, my goodness. Every time I see him, I'm just like, his tattoos are corny. He's corny. He's just corny. What a fucking cornball. Um, yeah, that's nuts. What else is funny on here? Music, but not music. Apparently, uh, Cardi B, who I, I steer clear from talking about because I don't like to... I don't like to actually talk negatively, negatively, wow, negatively about people who uh, actually get on my nerves on here. It's, I like to keep it super light, <laughs> but um, but on a positive note, Cardi B says she wants to go back to school, and I'm always for people going back to school, trying to further their education, um, you know, expand their mind. I think that's amazing. Uh, Cardi says she wants to join uh, Congress, and with the orange goof troop of a president we have in, in uh, office right now, she can't be no worse. So at least she's trying to proactively go to school and uh, uh, contribute to making the government a better place because she's actually interested in it as opposed to looking up on a job that you had no interest in. Now you're doing a half-assed horrible job of it and 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 we're stuck with your ass and, and I would not be surprised if we don't get stuck with him for another four years. So, you know, at least she's actively trying to uh, do something for the betterment of, 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 of our country. So shout out to Cardi going back to school. <laughs> um, so I thought that was funny when I heard it, but at the same time, shit, she got better intent than the motherfuckers we got in there right now, which is a sad, sad, sad statement. <laughs> uh, moving on uh, to some more music um, related, I guess, situations. Uh, apparently, uh, Shaggy was asked to um, audition to be on uh, this 
long-awaited and now somewhat mythical <laughs> Rihanna album that we're supposed to be getting this reggae-inspired, which is what's really got all of us salivating. You know that's what it is. That's why we all really just, like, waiting. We're like, oh, my God, a reggae, like, dance hall-inspired album from Rihanna? Like, her actually all the way in that bag? As opposed to, like, kind of putting a toe in it with songs here or there, but, like, really being an R&B pop queen? We finna get a whole album of, like, dance hall vibes? Uh, everybody waiting for As soon as she said that, she knew people was waiting for the clock to count down. So now that we know that she's auditioning motherfuckers, maybe it is somewhere around the corner. But apparently Shaggy wasn't trying to hear it. Um, you know, Shaggy said, we'll let the young cats get that. We'll let them get those opportunities. Um, if you're not going to, you know, go ahead and let me get it off the strength of it wasn't me <laughs> and Angel, then, uh, you know, I'm going to have to pass. I just put out an album with Sting. I'm on tour. It's not like I'm not working, and I don't necessarily feel like I should be uh, having to audition because, you know, if you want some reggae vibes, Shaggy sound like reggae second. He opened his mouth up, so he probably wasn't too happy about having the uh, audition. Or maybe he, he didn't sound salty. So I won't say maybe he wasn't too happy, but I do think it is hilarious that they they had him come in there and they was like, we just want to see if your shot was still hitting like it was and, you know, I'm talking about an 03. <laughs> like, we just we just want to we want to see if you just, just you know, playing a Sebastian on The Little Mermaid now uh, or if you, you still got the, you know, you still got the, the, the rock with you. Um, and just see him kind of looking at motherfuckers and being like, you know what? Nah. <laughs> and walking out and be like, I'm going to let y'all have that. Send my love to Riri, though. Peace. <laughs> like, that whole scenario in my mind made me giggle. So that was a funny story. Uh, and also just, I feel like, more just bait to have us just still salivating over this possible Rihanna album that we may never fucking get because she's a billionaire off selling fucking lip gloss. <laughs> um also in music, uh, heard the new future in Drake. Can't get around that. Didn't want to make it my last thing listened to. I was like, that's too easy. Uh, I have actually still haven't seen the video yet. I've been mad busy and all I've really been watching is basketball in the background of other things I'm trying to do. But, um, yeah, fucking, I mean, it's good. There's no way to say it's not good. To me, it sounds, um, like a, better version of what they gave us with the one a time to be alive as far as they literally like gave us a song that was each of them almost the way the uh sicko mode yeah almost the way sicko mode was with travis and drake like this part of the song is obviously very travis this part of the song is obviously very drake and we get sections of it where we just get drake like, we get Travis brought into Drake's world, and we just get Travis's world, and Drake gets brought into Travis's world. We got that, but without even the, like, blending at all. We literally got first half, Drake's bag. Second half, Future's bag. All of it, a fucking bop. So that shit was hard. Uh, it's no way around talking about how dope that song is. I enjoyed it. Uh, Michael watched the video as soon as his podcast is over, actually. And, uh, um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. I think it's hilarious. Um, that, you know, they're getting back together and, uh, not so much hilarious, but interesting to see if uh, they're going to try to like start making collab albums a thing again, because it kind of died down for a second. Cause it had definitely become a trend, like, uh, every other week type trend. And to me, they were the ones that kind of set it off. So we'll see if it kind of creates that same wave again, or if it's just kind of a one-off because I actually think this is futures song featuring Drake. But they are supposed to be putting out an album together and another joint one. So 
interested to see if this is like the lead off of what the sound may be or just like a hint at like, hey, we, we are working together or what it is, but it is fire. I have listened to it. I have listened to it every day since it came out. As much as I talk about Drake's Waffle Colored Ass, he makes good music. Most of it, 90% of it I like. Same thing with Future, 90% of it I like. So it's hard to miss when those two guys get on the track. So enjoyed it, you know. It's, 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 it's you know, it's, it's hard to say anything bad about that. Um, and that beat is crazy, so. Yeah, both of them. The, the, the beat before and after the, the, the switch, so. It's hard to miss with those two guys on a good beat like that. Um, let's see if there's anything else. Oh, my goodness. So, the probably, we'll say, yeah, last. So the last time before we do a quick run through sports. Um, <laughs> so, apparently, Megan. Markle and Prince Harry, uh, uh, in, uh, over there in England, across the pond, uh, um, they are stepping back from the royal family. They want to do their own thing. Um, they want to apparently become financially stable and financially independent. Uh, I saw Trevor Noah make a joke where he said, you know, he's dating a black woman. She said, uh, uh-uh, ain't no way we live in your mama house. No, well, you got to get a job. You got to get a job. We got to be our own people. We got to get our own house. We ain't living up under your mama. And I die laughing because that's exactly what I thought too. I was like, one, she's, she's like, I've already been mistreated and people are already talking about me crazy. And I'm already not liking the way is working, living up under your mama's rule anyway. We got to get the fuck up out of here. Like apparently over there in Britain, I've been listening to British artists lately and just kind of from what I've hear, heard here and there from different news sources, they're going through similar shit as well with their president or their prime minister as far as, you know, how people of color and just uh, people of lower income are being treated in the community. Um, you know, I believe they are looking at possibly losing out on their universal health care, which they've had for a while. So a lot of shit's going on over there. Apparently somebody who's like very Trump-like is, uh, you know, gaining, garnering a lot of support. So... You know, you know, good luck and prayers over to them because it sounds like they're dealing with a lot of the bullshit we're dealing with here. It just kind of shows you how similar um, we all have it when you allow bigoted, small-minded, unqualified people to, to run your country when the country is more caring of dollars and business opportunities and and holding wealth in the same small realm of people and not really about their citizens that can be happening anywhere it happens all over the place it doesn't just happen in america and it's just going on right now where we literally have somebody who could possibly be starting a war uh, with with the treacherous things he says and with the terrible ways in which he treats people so they're going through the same things over there i do say sad to hear it but it does not surprise me that Megan wants to bounce if that's the type of shit that's going on over there as well. And Harry with, you know, everything that's gone on in his life and, you know, the passing of his mother and how she was treated before she'd passed away by the media, the same way his wife is being treated like that. I'm not shocked that they're wanting to move. Apparently they're moving to Canada, which sounds like, I mean, Toronto or Vancouver sounds like an amazing middle ground right now in comparison to the bullshit it sounds like is going on here and in Britain. So, you know, Godspeed and God love them. Apparently the queen's not too happy about it. She had like a shady statement that she put out. Like, of, of course we wish they would have stayed, but we do understand uh, them stepping back from the royal family and hope they still maintain their relations to us in these, these blah, 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 blah. Uh, Megan said, uh, baby, get the baby. Get your shit. We finna go start our own shit. Uh, we gotta get the fuck out of here. We ain't got time for this. 
So uh, uh, shout out to Meghan Markle for uh, getting her family uh, whipped up and moving them the fuck up out of there and uh, on to hopefully greener and more harmonious <laughs> pastures. Um, but yeah, I thought that was interesting. I didn't know I didn't know you could resign from your family, but I guess if your family is technically a title with a job, you you sure the fuck can, and they sure the fuck did. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, so that's probably the last of the really hot topics. Uh, last thing I'm gonna talk about, kind of talk about before moving on into uh, to sports a little bit, and don't have too much to say about sports this week. Kind of kept the pod short. This will be the uh, second to last episode of the season before we took a little break, a little hiatus. Got some projects I need to focus on and work on, and and really try to put my all and everything into. Um, just you know, each project is starting to feel more serious and more important. Um, every time I, I step into something and. and uh, while I enjoy doing the podcast and love putting it out, I'm going to keep doing it just because I feel like I'm good at it and the response I get from the people who do listen to it feels amazing. Um, but uh, I'm definitely going to take a little break. So this will be uh, the second to last episode. We'll do all the way up to um, episode 10 and then we'll take a little bit of a break and then we'll be back. Um, not sure when. I'll definitely update um, the the Instagram and, and uh, um, you know uh, IG story and all the places where you can find information about the podcast um, probably on the last episode I'll drop when we'll be returning, what the return date will be. Um, but more into getting into, uh, focusing and harnessing my energy, energy for projects that are upcoming and projects that, uh, like I said, feel more serious and more important every time I have a new endeavor, just because, um, you know, it, it, I, I don't know, maybe just being an artist or being a creative, you feel like this pressure around you all the time, and it's, and, and, and it's an inspiration, and it's motivating to see the people around me having these really cool, positive things happening for them, seeing them fight through things, try to get their, you know, their projects and their, their goals accomplished, and that puts a constant fire under you, and, and you know, it, it while you're happy for them, at the same time, it's like, man, they can do it, I can do it, that's always been my mentality, it's just like, work harder, do more, do more work, stay focused, you know, keep grinding, don't quit, and so, you know, with with the project that I'm working on now, and a couple other projects that I'm I'm thinking about getting my toe dipped into, uh, it's just going to require a whole lot more focus, so not only will I be taking a little fallback break from the podcast uh, for for a little while while I focused on that, I will also uh, no longer be on Instagram for a while, I still have the app on my iPad, but I took the app off my phone, man. I uh, I I I got more focused on while being happy for, but it just also just got more focused on what I was seeing other people accomplishing around me. And while I'm super super proud of everybody, and I really do, like anybody who knows me knows, I genuinely draw inspiration from the fact that I just know so many people who are still pushing. They're not settled. They're not comfortable, but they're in the realm and the areas and the worlds of, of the places that they want to work and be and they're contributing to those different artistscapes and and you know be it from somebody who I've competed against in poetry uh now being nominated for a Grammy to the homie getting picked up and, and being part of Lena Waite's writing program to you know my homie touring for the second time with a nationally known artist G Yamazawa I look up his music he's fire like knowing all these people who are really putting in the work and, and, and making their dreams come true and still not being settled, still constantly going for it is a constant source of both inspiration, but also I feel like there are times where I can get 
more focused on just seeing what the people around me are doing and not doing. I'm, I feel like, I don't feel like I'm ever not creating. I'm always, cause I need to, like, I literally feel lacking or almost ill when I'm not like when I don't like use button words like depression or shit like that. But when I get in my funks, I feel like they're most uh, turned on by the fact that I feel like I should be or could be doing more. And, um, and especially as of late. Uh, and, and so that's what I just feel like I'm going to be doing. So I took the app off my phone. I was just talking to some friends about it. I was like, I'm not really on Instagram. I'm going to check every now and then on messages. Cause I do know there are certain people who that's their like only source of communication with me. I actually almost missed out on an invitation to, to a dinner party because somebody hit me up on Instagram and asked me to go. And I mean, it's something I would want to go to. So I'm glad I looked and was able to tell him, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm definitely interested, but I almost missed it just cause I've been reading more. I've been playing more games on my phone. I've just been using my phone for other stuff besides just kind of following people and following people in a way that it literally can kind of make you feel like, you know, your, your feet are stuck in the mud and the work you're doing or the race you're running is not getting you anywhere. And I feel like that can just be counterproductive to the creativity that you're trying to muster up. And there are plenty of other ways to find inspiration besides just seeing all these people around me do these things that do keep me wholly inspired. And I am so awestruck and think it's beautiful. It just gives me constant hope. But it also is just like this measuring stick that can create this um, you know, and it's not, I'm not the first person to say this, but can it create this just hindrance in your brain and in your, you know, um, uh, drive. And so I was just like, you know, for a little while I need to get off of it. it it's getting to the point now where I, I feel like I get more growth from actual face to face interaction with people than I do from Instagram interaction anyway. Um, and while, you know, the pop-up we had not too long ago was pretty successful and I really appreciate everybody who came out and actually got to interface with somebody who supported me and, uh, uh, I'm going to be, you know, doing some writing prompts and workshops with them and really excited about getting into that and, you know, focusing more on my writing. Um, but got to meet them for the first time, but, uh, you know, in, in person and really get to talk to them, you know, met them kind of very briefly at Tia, uh, Williams premiere of Gentrified, but, Got to actually talk to him a little more and kind of put more of a face to the emails that have been going back and forth. But with the exception of that, I mean, I haven't been using it the way I was at one period. I haven't been using social media, social media the way I was at one time period uh, to actually, you know, create more networking. And a lot of the networking I'm doing now is face to face. And a lot of the networking I've, I've done has now led to uh, some of the projects I'm trying to do. So I just want to focus wholeheartedly on those projects get submitted to some festivals, really start doing the work and, and, you know, following the blueprint of people I know who are making those passions become profitable, making those passions become profitable, not just monetarily, but, um, you know, uh, resume wise and putting in the work. And so, uh, that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm not going to be as active on social media for a little while. I don't have an exact date for that. The podcast will continue and that'll keep getting updated on the uh, Instagram for the pod, but not sure when I'll be back on Instagram. Um, like I said, if you send me messages, I'll be checking it periodically just to see, but I think, um, it, it, I can already tell and feel a difference. I don't feel lacking. There are times I reach for my phone to just, you know, and just in, in, just in between time. That's it. It makes you notice how much you get on Instagram just in, in the in between time, just waiting in between calls at work, just not doing anything, sitting down at lunch, just whatever. You just pick up your phone and you just start scrolling on Instagram. It just becomes a habit. And, um, I want, you know, the next time I really get on Instagram for it to be about really promoting something that 
needs to get promotion, and that's pretty much it. And it let be less about just kind of using it as a way to both find inspiration in a measuring stick type of way, but also as just a waste of time. And all honestly, just eating up the in-between time when I could be using that to write something else that could turn into something else and just be making more and doing more myself. So that's where my focus is going to be. I uh, won't be on the gram for a while. Um, so, you know, probably have a crazy bank of pictures whenever I do decide to get back on Instagram, but it'll be a while. And, uh, uh, I think it's going to be cleansing. I think it's going to help me focus. And, um, you know, if, if I'm to get this project I'm working on done in time, I want to get it done and really, um, submit it and put it forward the way I want to. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to take uh, crazy focus and, and, uh, I think Instagram has become more of a hindrance, so I'm going to put it down for a while. So if you got my phone number, use it. Um, if you want it, hit me up on Instagram, and, and I, I can give it to you uh, so we can network. But definitely, definitely had to uh, to put the put the, put the the app off my phone for a little while. It's, it's I think it's necessary. I've been thinking about it since probably the beginning of the year. I didn't want to call it a resolution, but I definitely, uh, yeah, <laughs> I definitely think it's going to be a good thing, so. Happy I put it down for a little while, and, um, I don't know, shit, it'll be there, it, it, it ain't hurting me, <laughs> so, uh, getting really quickly into, uh, some sports stuff, I just, I mean, gotta say, shout out to Deshaun Watson, love him, hell of a season, I mean, that was a crazy game against the Chiefs this, this weekend, I watched a lot of football this weekend, more than I have all year, and that was a nuts game to watch, I mean, to watch them go up by 24 points like that, and then to lose, I mean, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is a beast, and that was a crazy game. I mean, from the ball that popped out and turned into a touchdown, and I mean the 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 botched trick play on the on the the, the field goal. I mean, so many different things happened in that game. It was wild to watch. It was interesting, very very interesting, crazy. Um, one of those types of games I don't think you'll ever see again anytime soon. Uh, but definitely a, a really fun game to watch. Uh, sad to see both him and Lamar Jackson lose, but the way it's set up and the way it's looking, more than likely, more than likely, we have a, still have a really high um, opportunity for a black quarterback. Excuse me, to win the Super Bowl. So that's what we're looking for. That's what we're hoping for still. So that's who all that's all all of who I'm going for still is just hey, if we can still get a black quarterback to win the Super Bowl, that would be amazing. So going for the Chiefs now, <laughs> going for the Chiefs. Although I do think um, after seeing the uh, Titans' performance, after seeing the Titans' performance, it's going to be a good game. Like, they're, uh, they're, they're no slouch. <coughs> but, uh, yeah, definitely at this point now, it's just hoping for a black quarterback to win. I'm, I was sad to see Lamar fucking lose, man. I was watching that game at a bar, uh, not intentionally, but just was at a bar with some friends, and the game was on in the background, and there was this white dude who was way too excited every time Lamar Jackson, like, lost yards or got sacked or just whatever. And I just like, boy, they just don't want to see us win, man. And anytime I think about that, it makes me think about my pops and just, man, at this point, it's just about now, now who you rooting for really just starts to say something about you. And I'm definitely rooting for a black quarterback to win because they don't want to see us win in no aspects at all. Whether it's Kaepernick or fucking Lamar Jackson or who the fuck ever, they don't want to see us win. So at this point, I just want to see a black quarterback win. 
So I guess I'm going for the Chiefs. <laughs> like, I, I guess I'm going for the Chiefs. It would have been nice to see uh, Deshaun and them upset them. And I think they could have. It looked like they were going to. But that's hey, Patrick Mahomes is a bad motherfucker. And hopefully he's bad enough to get him one. Um, uh, especially since I believe the Seahawks are out as well. So, so I'll on your shoulders, man. Let's do it. <laughs> With that Odell Beckham ass haircut. Speaking of Odell, this motherfucker got arrested for slapping a cop on the butt. Like the cop that was in the locker room after LSU won, he playfully slapped him on the butt and they have issued an, a warrant for his, a warrant for his arrest for playfully slapping him on the butt. Like the same way you would one of the players. Like when they come off the field after making a good play, it wasn't like aggressive or mean at all. It's like, you're in here with us in this atmosphere where we're all in here slapping each other's butts. Never understood why football players or guys in general do that. Girls don't do it, but Hey, it's a thing. And you're in here with all of us and I didn't do it in a mean or aggressive way, but somehow now there's a warrant issue for, they don't want you to win. They don't want to know blue. They don't want to know blue. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Remember remember the Titans reference there. But, like, yeah, that's fucking nuts. And I can't believe they have an actual real-life warrant issue for his arrest. It's just money. It's a money grab. They're trying to get some money out of him. But uh, sad to see. Sad to see. Um, that's pretty much all I got for football. Shout-out to Jason Tatum for dropping his career-high 41 points against the Pelicans, who, which is crazily enough, their game just ended tonight. I'm watching the end of it. And Brandon Ingram just turned around and dropped his career-high of 49 points in a uh, win against the Utah Jazz, who were on a 10-game win streak and just got that snapped by the Pelicans. Uh, uh, Celtics played tonight, fought a hard-fought battle trying to come back against the Bucks, but really in, in the end it was how horribly they, they defended in the first uh, half that put them in a hole that created a situation where they were trying to fight back. Um, if they you know, had played that defense that they played in that second half in the first game, it would have been a game the whole time. But um, Also, Houston, two-game losing streak. I'm going to the game this weekend, watching the Rockets play the Lakers. Definitely going to report back on that in the next podcast. Hopefully they're, uh, the Rockets and the Lakers, who both are coming off of losses, are able to bounce back and deliver a uh, showstopper for me in person when I go watch this game in Houston at the Toyota Center. Uh, can't wait to see it. Trying to get off as much pictures as possible, as many pictures as possible, and um, and report back to you guys and tell you what a great uh, game it was. Hopefully the Rockets take one. And uh, I can report that W for the final podcast before we go on break. Uh, appreciate you guys listening as always. As always, you can tell I'm tired. I can't even get my words out. Appreciate you guys for listening as always. This has been uh, episode nine of the Creative Ass Podcast. Peace.